Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Nick Longo Show. Happy Monday. If you haven't heard from previous episodes, we have been saying every Friday we're going to release an episode, but we're actually going to change that up. We're going to release an episode every single Monday. So here's a new episode for the Nick Longo Show. If you haven't subscribed yet, please consider subscribing. That way you can get updates about whenever I do release new episodes here on the show. Um, but without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Today, episode is a little bit different than the normal interviews, live shows, or, you know, I just mix it up here. But today we're going to have a Theology on Tap talk, actually, that happened a few weeks ago um, from a buddy of mine here out in Vancouver, Washington. His name's Matt Nelson, and he talked about St. Patrick's Day, and particularly, he talked a lot about how St. Patrick did a lot of teaching on uh, the Trinity and how that led us to recognizing the dignity of all people. And so I hope you enjoy this talk from Matt Nelson at Theology on Tap. Uh, sure. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, thank you for gathering us here tonight. Thank you for the fellowship we are sharing. Um, help us move on to celebrate St. Patrick's Day in a way that honors you um, and each other. Uh, bless the beer we're about to drink and bless the conversation we have following this talk. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. Hear me? Is that am I loud enough? Because I always am, but I want to make sure. Um, what? A little louder? A little louder? Okay. Yeah. Um, so, like Nick said, I'm Matt. Um, between Sean and I, we make up the Faith Formation Department at Our Lady of Lords. I do middle I do middle school and high school youth group, and Sean does everything around me, I guess. Um, a little bit about me: I grew up in Renton, Washington. If you don't know, that is about. 30-ish minutes south of Seattle, depending on how much traffic there is and if people are staying home from coronavirus or not. Um, but <laughs> uh, so I grew up there. I didn't really go to church at all. Like we had like Christian, I guess, values at home, but I didn't really ever go to church. If you ask my best friend from high school, Evan, he'll believe I was Catholic from birth just because that's how he experienced my family. Um, eventually moved into Portland for uh, college, studied education and math. Ended up switching to theology. That's where I met Sean. We studied theology together. Moved out to Minnesota to graduate school in theology, which I'm finally graduating in May with my master's degree, finally. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but God sent me back before I finished. Ended up coming back to Portland. Uh, ended up getting engaged with the love of my life. Heather over there. Um, yep. Uh, and here I am. So, but like I said, when I was growing up, I wasn't really religious at all. I never really celebrated any sort of religion until high school is when I got baptized. Still hated it then, but here I am, youth minister, right? Um, <laughs> but St. Patrick's Day for me was always a celebration of my Irish heritage. You can see I'm wearing green, obviously, but part of it is I'm, I'm quarter Irish, my mom's half Irish, and it's the ethnicity I always kind of felt closest to. So for St. Patrick's Day, we always had this massive feast. My mom would make this huge dinner. We'd have some sort of appetizers, um, potato, yeah, potato soup with um, Irish soda bread, uh, corned beef cabbage, usually green jello or some sort of dessert that was kind of St. Patrick-y a little bit, but it was always pushing the lines a little bit. But um, for me, it was always just celebrating who I am and who I came from. My uh, great-great-grandfather was a rebel in Ireland, got kicked out of the country for selling arms to rebels, which is a cool story, but not enough time for that. Um, so that's how we got here. But yeah, so that's always what St. Patrick's Day was about. And I heard St. Patrick, I thought of green jello, really. 
Um, but because I'm a youth minister, the rest of the talk is going to be very much youth ministry-like. Studied education, so it's going to be very education-like. So I'm going to ask you guys some questions. Um, what do you know about St. Patrick? Who is St. Patrick? Who was he? Yeah, anyone know anything about him? Because we all kind of do. Yeah, Nick? He was uh, I think Welsh. well, he was Welsh. He wasn't Irish. He wasn't Irish. No. He wasn't Irish. <laughs> Sorry, I'm terrible. I Close think. enough. It's same continent-ish. Yeah. Yeah. He was Welsh slash Scottish. It varies. He wasn't Irish. That wasn't Irish at all. Yeah. Okay. What else do we know about him? Yeah. I believe he spent some time in Ireland. He spent some time in Ireland. Yes. Thank you, Evan. <laughs> Multiple times. He was kidnapped by pirates as a young lad. He was. He was kidnapped by pirates as a young kid. He, what? Yeah, he was a shepherd. So he was kidnapped from pirates, moved over to Ireland, um, sold into slavery, and that's how his first experience of Ireland was. What else do we know about him? Anyone else? Every church in, uh, almost every church in Ireland is named after him, whether they're a Church of England or a Roman Catholic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he has a very prominent role in Ireland. <laughs> Anything else you guys know about him? Yeah, Sean? He didn't like snakes. He didn't like snakes. So the legend goes he like got rid of all the snakes in Ireland. The Ice Age really did that because there's no like fossil records of actual snakes after the Ice Age. Um, people think that snakes was kind of metaphoric for paganism when he was there, so he went and converted a lot of people to Christianity, specifically Catholicism, and kind of the saying expelling, like getting rid of the snakes, was paganism in that way. Um, well, anything else people know about him? Yeah, Nick. Yeah, good. He taught, he used a three-leaf clover to teach about the Trinity, which is technically a heresy, but we're not going to get into that because he taught about, really, there's a hilarious YouTube video out there, I think by Lutherans, talking about different her heretical ways to describe the Trinity because we, we really can't describe the Trinity. Mortalism, Voltronism, all these other ones that are hilarious, but yeah, it's great. I, it's a great video. Just look it up. It's fun. Um, so St. Patrick's real name was Maywin Suckett, I believe, is how you pronounce it? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was born in Scotland and Wales, uh, taken across uh, by pirates to become, he was enslaved, eventually escaped after receiving a, a vision saying, get out of here, there's a ship waiting for you. So he says, cool, I'm getting out of here, there's a ship waiting for me. So he did, he got back, then went to a monastery, changed his name to Patrick when he went in, so St. Patrick. Yeah. Um, he was there for about 12 years and moved back to Ireland to help convert the pagans that were there. Um, he established monasteries around, established schools, churches. So he was like this big fear. Just walked around and said, okay, let's make a church. Here's how we do it. And he used shamrocks to teach about the three-leaf clover. Yeah. So <laughs> he used shamrocks to teach about the Trinity. Hey, both are true, technically. <laughs> um, so <laughs> he died March 17th of 461, which is St. Patrick's Day. It's March um, 17th, but wasn't canonized until about the 12th century. Um, so, when I think about St. Patrick's Day, because, again, I see it as a celebration of my, my Irish heritage, like a big pride festival for Irish people. Yay, go Irish people. Um, I don't necessarily think about it in the way of, like, taking it back from people, like we're not going to snag it from the seculars and make it our own thing. Instead, how can we envision St. Patrick to help us kind of embrace our our history with St. Patrick. 
especially coming from me. I know not all of us here are Irish. It'd be weird if we all were. But for me, an Irish person, how do I go back? Sorry, Tim. <laughs> how do I go back and look at St. Patrick and help kind of motivate me to live a better life? So I promise you I will be drinking Guinness on St. Patrick's Day, but that's another time. So um, for the Trinity, like um, Nick said, the Trinity was a really important thing for St. Patrick that he taught using a shamrock, a three-leaf clover. What do we know about the Trinity? What is the Trinity? What does it mean to believe in Trinitarian God? Anything? Anyone? Not quite. No. More people believe in the Trinity, but it's a very large Christian thing. But Catholics are the only ones who believe in the Trinity. Catholics claim it a lot, but not the only ones. What else do you know about what is what is a Trinity? Yeah, three people, one God, pretty much. Three persons, not people, one God. We won't go any farther because that's when we start like talking modalism and stuff. But yeah, three persons, one God. Three equal persons, three completely unique persons, and one God. And they are kind of living in this constant relationality. They are, the Trinity is in nature relational. We have Father, Son, Holy Spirit constantly sharing that love, constantly sharing that Trinitarian love, the love of God with each other. And the kind of what God wants to do is share that love with us. Obviously, we are finite creatures, and God is the exact opposite of that, so it's hard to share that. And that's one of the reasons why God, or Jesus became incarnate. Jesus Christ was half, or not half God, half human, fully God and fully human. So, two things I want to remember. God is three persons, three unique persons, and God is relational. So, if God is, is central to the existence of the world, right? God kind of continuously gives the world its life. If God decided not to give, like, to let the world live, it just kind of disappeared. Thank God he doesn't do that. But if God is central to the existence of the world and the God is Trinity, then personhood is central to how we live. That personhood, that continuous personhood exemplified in the Trinity. So, um, as St. Anthanasian said, as a lot of other saints did as well, for the Son of God became man so that we, we might become God. Lower, lowercase g there. Because we were supposed to exemplify what it means to be God. What it, what it means to be that Trinitarian relationship. So, there are four points I want to talk about what it means to be, kind of in, reflect that personhood in God. One, the Trinity is relational in nature, like we said. Which means people, human beings like us, are relation, relational in nature. We yearn for relationships. We have friends. We have um, romantic desires. We want to be with people. That's that relational aspect. Each person of the Trinity is unique. That's number two. Each person, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are all God, all the same God, single God, but they're all unique in their own way. Which, same thing as humans. We're all very unique. In one way. Evan here is very different than me in a lot of ways. I love Evan dearly. He's a great friend of mine, but we're very different in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, number three, the Trinity is foundational to creation, right? We kind of talked about that. The Trinity upholds creation through the power, like working the power of the Holy Spirit. So, which really, that means humans are kind of a centerpiece in creation. God, obviously, in Genesis, created us special, in a way. Which means we're also foundational natural law. So what is, what is natural 
is what allows humans to be able to hold right relationship with one another. So if we're relational, what natural law is about is holding right relationship with one another. Example I can think of is sexism. It's wrong to push women aside and allow men to kind of be on top because that's not right relation. That is subordination. That's not right relation. Fourth one, each person in the Trinity expresses who God is. Right? We got Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Both, all three express who God is. And human-wise, we express, each of us express what it means to be human. We're all unique in a way, but we all express what it means to be human. So again with Evan. Hi, Evan. Evan expresses what it means to be human in a different way than I do, but it's still what it means to be human, right? So each one of us are all human and show what it means to be human but in a unique way, just like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, in order to live out that personhood, right, what we just talked about, live out that personhood to reflect the Trinity, we have to praise God because we're most fully human when we praise God. This is a theme throughout the Bible. We can see throughout, we are only, we are fully human when we are praising God. So when we have that relationship with God is when we can be fully human, and when we can reflect those four aspects of personhood I just said in God. So in the New Testament, specifically, it's partially in the Old Testament, but specifically in the New Testament, in 1 Peter specifically, um, it talks about giving glory to God is not just us sitting in a church pew worshiping. It's not us going to Mass, not going to, us going to adoration, it's not going to, receiving the sacraments. It's also about how we treat one another. So here's a passage from 1 Peter chapter 4. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. But the idea is we praise God not just by how we pray to God. We praise God through how we act towards one another. Everything, so when we look back at what it means to be a person, the four attributes of being a person, really about having right relationship with one another. Everything that promotes the fullness of humanity in the other person. So go with Evan. Sorry, you are my guinea pig right now. What? Perfect, guinea pigs are cool. So everything that promotes the fullness of humanity in Evan, if I can like look to Evan as a human, and talk to him, realizing he, one, promotes or shows what it means to be human, is unique person, is a foundation of natural law, and is relational in nature. I respect him as a human being. If I actually do that, not just say I'm doing it, but actually do that. So that build, the relationship that we build on that love glorifies God. It's, again, not just the prayer we do, but the way we act towards other parts of creation. But on the flip side, if I disregard that relationship, I'm not praising God, which means I'm sinning. So sin is the absence of praise in my relationship with other people. Say I go to Father Woody, my boss, my boss, <laughs> and I say, you know, I have this great idea for what I want to do with my youth groups. And he says, you know, Matt, that's actually not a very good idea. And I say, what does he know? It's not like he's a priest or anything. Not like he's been doing this job forever or anything. I'm just, I've been a youth minister for one year and a half. I know how to do this thing. And I say, 
screw you in another <laughs> different words and head on out and say Alice and like three kids break their legs or next, or next without signing permission slip so I disregarded obviously there's multiple ways I went wrong there but I disregarded that my, that relationship with father Woody and kind of it it ended up becoming sin because I wasn't glorifying who he was as a human. I can disagree with Father Woody plenty, and I do. Let's be honest. We, <laughs> let's be honest, and it's fine because I respect him as a human being in the process. It's all about that relationship we have. So again, sin, like praise is how we one respect God, but also respect one another. And sin is the opposite of praise, how we kind of push away one another and not respect who they are for being human. And we can't then have full communion with God if we don't have full communion with one another. We can't be with God, have that re relationship with God, if I disregard Evan and Father Woody's humanity. Or Ryan, Renee, Deacon Tim, anyone here. So, there are multiple implications for this, obviously. That's like, you know, sounds like a classic, let's treat each other kindly, talk. <laughs> <laughs> But there are specific implications for us within church life. Ecclesiologically, if you look at the church, how do we institutionally support one another? How are we as inclusive as we can bringing people to God? How do we support people for who they are as humans? Obviously, we are, Archive Seattle is a wonderful place in my opinion. We have a lot of people on different spectrums of their faith. People are very conservative, very liberal, in the middle, want to do this, want to do that, but we're all human. So how can we respect one another's differences but, and see each other as human? We can disagree. Like I said, Father Wedding and I disagree, but we still respect each other as human and work together to build up the kingdom of God. I give him the freedom to be wrong as often as he wants. That's, <laughs> yes, he does. And I am frequently reminded by that, but how many times I'm wrong. <laughs> But also in the sacraments. How do we view the sacraments? What do they mean? Baptism is this initiation into the church. And how do we support that initiation by giving them space to be themselves and minister to others? The Eucharist. How do we view the Eucharist and how people come to the table of God and allow them to receive that? Anointing of the sick. How do we, do we view it as just a quick little dash of oil and run away before we get sick? Or do we see it as a full communal embracing of this person as they're going through one of the hardest times of their life. There's some massive implications there that we have to think about, not only as ourselves, but also how can we look at the way we set up our churches and how do we see that going forward. Also in romantic relationships. I shared I'm engaged to Heather. Yay, marriage. <laughs> but how does that relationship affect, how does that love we share grow out and how does it affect other people? How does our relationship, I'm sorry to put us on the spot, I guess, but how do we respect each other and our humanness, I guess? How do we use the love we have to help support each other and, like I said, kind of blossom out and support other people? In our businesses, how do we use our business practices to support the humanness of each person? We all have those coworkers who are just a little bit weird. Right? Yeah, I know, I'm that person. I will admit, I'm that person. <laughs> I am totally that person. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm that person, let's be honest. But 
how do we support them? Yeah, or Sean. Yeah, or Sean. <laughs> Tim was pointing you out, Sean. <laughs> but how do we use the God-given gifts we have to help support that person as who they are and include them in how we run our businesses? But also, how do we run our businesses in a way that's sustainable, in a way that brings up the human person, a way that gives people a living wage, a way that provides goods that people can afford, and all those things that support them as a human. How can we form right relationships, but also help people form right relationships? People who own businesses, how do you help coworkers support one another? How do you help them work together? But also spiritually. Spirituality is a very, a lot of people see it as a very individual thing. It's not. There's two main parts of spirituality, personal and communal. They both influence each other and both are part of it. That's why it's important we go to church every Sunday. That's why it's important we pray by ourselves. That's why it's important we pray with friends, pray for people who need our help. But spiritually, it means God is not a God that wants us to draw away and pray with him in solitude. It's not, we don't go, I could go out, actually, okay, that's the emergency exit. I go over there and do a quick prayer, or we can pray together. We can pray because God is present. What is it? Or two, two or more are gathered, I am here. That's paraphrased Bible passage. How can we as a community come together in prayer and realize the love of God in that moment and then spread it out? Like I say, God isn't God of solitude. I have a lot of friends who are Benedictine monks. And the graduate school I went to is a Benedictine place, has a lot of monks on campus. He's a good friend who's also my boss. Other boss, sorry. You're also a good friend. I consider you a friend. But, um, <laughs> um, he's a Benedictine monk, but he doesn't like, he doesn't just like pray to himself and walk around quietly. He runs a blog online about liturgy to help nurture liturgical practices. And that's how I work for him. I work for that blog. But he doesn't just, as a monk, hide away. He doesn't do that. He goes out. He even goes out to other parishes and says mass. All those monks are called to that life of community in that monastery, but to be spread out. So even if it may look like we're supposed to be in solitude, what we do with God is ever-present outward. So when we think about the Trinity, we often think three gods, one person, yeah, okay, cool. In a lot of ways, what we say about the Trinity, we could say if we were a polytheistic religion. We're not, obviously. We have, okay, three gods. What would change about how we run our religion if we were three gods? Not a whole lot, to be honest, until we realize what it means to be Trinity, what it means to have God is in that relationship and how we are supposed to imitate that relationship. Thanks to Christ's incarnation becoming God and human, we really have that realm, a way to know how to do that as humans, and I kind of blossom out. So on St. Patrick's Day, next week, exactly a week from today, I'll be playing soccer exactly a week from today, in a week and an hour from today, I will probably be sitting on my couch, cracking Guinness, watching Luck of the Irish on Disney Plus, <laughs> and being, yeah, thank God I'm Irish, and probably open a second Guinness. But when I think of St. Patrick and the Trinity, the goal is how will I then be able to reflect that love the Trinity shares with one another with all of you, with everyone out there, with everyone across the streets, with everyone around. How can we enhance human life for everyone? How can we promote humanity for everyone? Because even in the city of Vancouver, we're not doing a very good job, let's be honest. There's a terrible homeless problem. There is a lot of people who are hurting, really hurting. And we're not doing a very good job. 
We all can't do it unless we work together. So there's great ways we can work together. There's Share House, there's Who Shelter, there's plenty of things in Portland we can do. We know how Portland is. It's Port I love Portland. I live in Portland, I love Portland. But we know the, the problems they have as well. So how can we work as a greater community, as a church, to help spread the love of God and help embrace that? Election season coming up. How can we vote in a way that encourages and promotes the humanity of every single person? How can we vote in a way that's pro-life, that, that respects the life of everyone? Not just a single group, but everyone. I want you guys to think about that, because that's all I have. So thank you all. <laughs> Appreciate it. So everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this episode, Theology on Tap Talk with Matt Nelson. Um, it was great to have Matt come out and be the Theology on Tap speaker. If you live in the Vancouver area, we do Theology on Tap's on the second Tuesday of every single month. Obviously, right now we're taking a break because of coronavirus, so not right now. But second Tuesday of every month, once this whole thing passes over, you can come on out if you're in the Vancouver area to Theology on Tap and enjoy an awesome, um, great talk from awesome, engaging speakers like Matt. If you haven't subscribed to the show, consider subscribing to the show because you'll get updates every single week. And leave a review and share it with a friend. It means the world to me if you do that. Also, if you haven't followed me on Facebook, you can go find me on Facebook. Just search for Nick J. Longo and look for the blue face that's my face. Um, you can you can find me there. You can go to Instagram, too, and look at Nick James Longo, and you'll be able to see what that face looks like because that's definitely what it is there. Anyways, go to Facebook and follow me because I put out live episodes of the show where I record the show live right there on Facebook. You could ask a question. Um, you could even be live on the show when you call in on the show. That'd be really cool. So if you want to do that, go and check me out on Facebook. We'll see you on another episode.